Quick question. Name an industry that's grown from a value of $0 to around $1.7 trillion in just over a decade. And one that in the next year or two could ramp up to grow by a few more trillion dollars. Unless you're surrounded by finance or tech junkies, or especially financial technology employees and entrepreneurs, this industry is probably nowhere on the radar of your friends, families, uh, neighbors, co-workers, or even extended network. That potential growth combined with a lack of exposure has opportunity. The industry, decentralized finance, or aka DeFi. In this week's insight, I'll be sharing fundamentals on the decentralized revolution. That will include information that will be useful for some and a good review for others. Then I'll go deeper into the world of DeFi from its protocols to infrastructure and components to token sales. Of course, I'll also cover how you might take advantage of the emerging DeFi opportunities. Later on, I'll also share a framework that can potentially spot the most promising DeFi projects, assets, and companies. And then I'll cover how early adopting DeFi investors and speculators are generating cash flow which might be an option for you too. Do remember, I am not your financial advisors and the content in this podcast is intended for edutainment purposes only. This is not a recommendation to invest in DeFi projects before investing in a decentralized finance platform or using any relevant services. Do your own research. Know what you're doing when you have skin in the game. All right, so what excites me most about the space? If you ask people that know me, they'll tell you that I'm still that kind of guy that pays attention to day-to-day, week-to-week, or even month-to-month price movements of Bitcoin and other top-notch cryptocurrency projects. Sure, the rising price of cryptocurrencies is exciting, especially when I'm making quick, modest figures of profit. But for me and other crypto permables, there's the other emotion we have to be cognizant of. The opposite of greed is fear. Fear of falling prices of cryptocurrencies. I've seen a lot of panic recently as prices have plummeted Tokens and coins are fine, but here at Savvy Insights, I find the most exciting part of the entire cryptocurrency space outside of Bitcoin is the DLT. It's the underlying distributed ledger technology. That's right, I'm bullish on the technology as well as Bitcoin. All right, so let's get some nomenclature out of the way. When I'm saying Bitcoin, I'm going to be referring to the network protocol from here on in. When I say BTC, I'll be referring to as the actual asset. So when I use BTC, it's for the assets. When I use Bitcoin from here on in, it's for the network protocol. All right, if you're already well-versed in cryptocurrencies and DLT, as I know some of you are, please bear with me for a moment. But if you're new to this space or simply just want a refresher, here it is. So guess what industry dishes out routine, brutal beatings to its clients and customers? And their so-called customers are subject to treatments like criminal suspects or even terrorists sometimes. Their clients are being nickeled and dimed with unnecessary fees. This industry's cartel colludes on interest and exchange rates. That same industry manipulates asset prices, privatizes gains when all things go right, and taxpayer-funded losses when things start to break down and unravel. Fraudulent practices in this industry are built into the fabric of the business model. And the list goes on and on and on. With a service provider like this, you would think that most customers would just flee and never return. But think again. Customers keep on coming back for more. Because until recently, there was no other option to the industry mentioned. And this is banking. Are you ready to know what you don't know about money? Then you're in the right place. 
This is Savvy Insights, a podcast on exploring prosperity, seizing opportunities, and preserving freedom, bringing you tips, tricks, tools, and extreme value. Broadcasting from our studio in Toronto, I'm your host, Baz. I want to personally welcome and thank you for joining us today. I'm really glad you're here because this podcast is designed for you. Before we dive in, remember you can reach me on Twitter at insights underscore savvy to discuss further about today's insights. Now let's begin. Over a decade ago in an eight-page, well, nine with references, it was a white paper which was largely read by cypherpunks and forward-thinking, liberty-loving people. A revolution was quietly started. That white paper, like a call to prayer of monetary freedom, was Satoshi Nakamoto's peer-to-peer electronic cash system framework. Till today, we don't know the identity or identities of Satoshi. It's better known as the Bitcoin network. Satoshi laid out a system with transactions to be based on irreversible cryptographic proof. The peer-to-peer electronic payment system would allow, quote-unquote, any two willing parties to transact directly with each other without the need for a trusted third party, end quote. In other words, if successful, this network, or more precisely, money revolution, could upend the traditional centralized banking model. And without the need for a financial intermediary, banks could eventually become obsolete. We can say goodbye to these guys and their opportunistic ways of fraud and colluding with one another and cooperation with governments against depositors' interests. We can say hello to individuals to have a superior form of money rather than holding depreciating fiat currency units. When people have a peer-to-peer money with a permanently fixed supply of 21 million units, yes, I did say a fixed money supply could still work in a complex economy. Absent government intervention like price controls, quotas, or other measures, markets will always adjust and clear. A willing buyer meets a willing seller at a mutually beneficial agreed-upon price. The exchange happens because the buyer values the product or service more than their money, and vice versa for the seller. Bureaucrats or politicians can attempt to dictate prices and therefore people's preferences, but the result is inevitable. Shortages in some sectors, surpluses in others, the rise of black markets, a lower standard of living for many, and a crumbling economy. If central planners aren't smart enough to know the market-clearing price of a dozen eggs, can a paint, a haircut, or a million other capital goods or consumer products or services, how can they ever know the right supply of money? Short answer is they can't. They never will. No one is smarter enough to figure out the money supply. Only the market can provide the best money that's durable, divisible, portable, that either grows ever so slightly each year or remains forever fixed. You'll hear pushback from naysayers stressing that developed economies are far too complex for a fixed money supply, but that's a faulty premise. Remember, markets adjust and clear based on available supply of products. Markets do the same with money. If tomorrow, a country completely switched to BTC with a fixed supply, markets would simultaneously price in this change. There may be some temporary confusion, but again, all prices would adjust. After all, in BTC-denominated markets, there's nothing that would prevent the prices of goods and services from dropping one billionth or even one trillionth of a BTC. So commerce would continue. Also, a fixed money supply would create higher long-term certainty. If you're an entrepreneur and you'd be more willing to embark on time with a capital-intensive project, knowing that the value of your money 10 years from now will remain constant or even better, increase in value. Distributed Ledger Technology, DLT, 
is one of the several protocols that is within Bitcoin. Bitcoin introduced this technology to the world. DLT is basically a database that holds all the transaction records that have occurred on the distributed network of computers. This network can be private or transparent. Either way, DLT creates a system that is devoid of corruption from a single source. The best known example of the actual underlying technology that stores BTC and other cryptocurrencies without a central authority is known as the blockchain. Cryptocurrencies are merely data on this network. To make the distinction between DLT and the blockchain, consider cloud computing. Like DLT, cloud computing is just another concept. But the actual technology is a physical data center with servers that are connected to the internet. One thing that's been gaining a lot of popularity of recently is another type of blockchain known as non-fungible tokens. Non-fungible tokens are NFTs. It's a new type of asset class that gained popularity last year, 2021. An NFT can be a piece of digital artwork or an image or other digital assets like audio forms or anything like that, as long as it's on the blockchain. Whatever the specific asset is, all NFTs provide are proof of exclusive ownership. The value is owning the official NFT and being able to prove it, much like an equity owner receives a stock certificate. When a person buys an NFT, they receive a digital token. This token is registered and stored on the blockchain, which is available for all to see, just like cryptocurrency ownership is. And by providing ownership, NFT owners can sell the asset and a buyer will know that the NFT is legit. Aside from generating revenue for artists, NFTs have created a whole new market for cryptocurrencies. But be careful. NFTs are not an investment. You don't get paid for owning it. They are a speculation. Before buying them, research and understand what you're getting into and realize that you could lose money. If you got into cryptocurrency and you're considered a hodler or a trader, you're very much an early adopter. The distributed ledger technology revolution is still in its early stages and the revolution's consequences will reach well beyond cryptocurrencies. Basically, any centralized system is primed for disruption. In the coming years and decades, we'll see more adoption of decentralized financing, disrupting also centralized and traditional financing. This is known as the rise of decentralized finance. As the name suggests, decentralized finance, DeFi, is simply a collective term of financial services without a central authority. It's possible that someday DeFi will completely replace today's centralized financial system of banks, brokerages, and even exchanges. In other words, DeFi will provide all the utility of our current financial system, but without the drawbacks and constraints. We've already mentioned cryptocurrency, which are one of the elements of DeFi. That's because of the blockchain. Again, the best known example of DLT facilitates cryptocurrencies peer-to-peer transaction, and it also provides an uninterrupted, incorruptible record of each transaction. To use a sports analogy, the blockchain is the perfect referee. The referee will make the right calls, will never miss a penalty. The ref's track record is transparent and readily available for all players, coaches, managers, for all to see. But in this example, the referee is unable to be bought or manipulated by any team. And for all these reasons and more, blockchains are the foundation of DeFi, along with components that I'll be getting into shortly. Before I expand on those components, I want to discuss something that has been on the press lately, and that's the recent vilification of DeFi. At a mid-December 2021 U.S. Senate committee meeting, Senator Elizabeth Warren said that DeFi, and I quote, is where regulation is effectively absent. No surprise, 
It's where the scammers and cheaters and the swindlers mix among part-time investors and first-time crypto traders, end of quote. Are there some scammers and cheaters in the emerging DeFi space? Yes, sure. But Warren, a scammer herself who trumped up her Native American ancestry for personal gain, conveniently leaves out a fact. She fails to account for the scammers and cheaters in today's centralized finance system. The most prominent being the Federal Reserve who conjures counterfeit money out of thin air and the politicians that spend that money into existence. Also, the current financial system is supposedly regulated by government agencies that have oversight with those oh-so-thoughtful, all-knowing members of Congress. So, if a private sector scammer and cheats still exist, isn't this the fault of the government for not rooting them out? Don't hold your breath on some government official catching the blame, though. That December 2021 attack wasn't Warren's first shot at the cryptocurrency sector. Back in July 2021, she noted that as the cryptocurrency market grows, risk of the US economy financial stability do as well. Remember, we're in the middle of a monetary revolution. Don't expect that attacks on DeFi and cryptos generally by holier-than-thou politicians and government officials will slow down anytime soon. In fact, as the industry grows, expect this rhetoric to ramp up. Alright, so let's review on what makes fintech the underlying system of financial technology. There's a big difference between value capture in the internet era versus value capture in the blockchain era. In the internet era, we have and still have something called thin protocols and fat applications. Protocols are commonly accepted and well-defined set of rules and guidelines used as a base upon which web applications are built on. The internet consists of many protocols that enable it to function effectively. For example, the protocol TCPIP allows the internet to work. HTTP and HTTPS enable the web to work and SMTP and IMAP allow email to work, and so on. Alone, protocols offer no value. Instead, protocols enable value creation by pairing applications built on top of the protocols. These applications are what provide value. So some examples that may sound familiar to illustrate the concept I'm sharing are web-only companies like Google, Facebook, Twitter, or a partial web-based company like Amazon. In each case, these applications work on top of the open protocol like TCPIP. And work they have, providing value to customers and enriching both these companies' founders and shareholders along the way. As of putting this insight together, the market capitalization of Alphabet, or Google, is roughly $1.9 trillion. Uh, Meta, or Facebook, is $660 billion. Twitter is about $28 billion. And Amazon is at a massive $1.4 trillion. These are just a few companies, and they're valued at roughly together $4 trillion. That's a tremendous amount of wealth based on applications. Unfortunately for the developers, the creators of the TCPIP protocol that these applications are built on, the creators of these protocols didn't share in this wealth bonanza. But imagine if they could have. Imagine that every company and individual on the web paid the creators of the TCPIP for usage. Something like a transaction fee or subscription fee or that they had participated in buying its equities. Those founders and their companies would have been the richest people in all of history, far surpassing the net worth of Elon Musk's and Jeff Bezos combined. Well, this is the situation now happening with blockchain protocols. In the blockchain era, Protocols are fat and applications are thin. 
value is captured on the protocol layer and only a fraction is distributed along the application layer. This is possible because of two things, a shared data layer and a cryptographic token creation. First, in the blockchain, unlike the internet companies, the shared data layer is open to everyone and it's permissionless. TCPIP are open protocols, but companies like Facebook, now Meta, collect data for themselves and don't share it freely with others. Secondly, the possibility of cryptographic token creation incentivizes protocol development and adoption. Here, we have two types of asset creation, coins and tokens. Coins are assets used on the protocol level, BTC for Bitcoin protocol and Ether for Ethereum protocol. Tokens are assets used on the application level. Examples like Uniswap or Uni, token for Uniswap's application built on top of the Ethereum protocol. Creating coins and tokens give developers financing to develop their ideas. When coins and tokens appreciate, they attract new users, developers, and investors. These new people are now shareholders in the protocol, and they promote it. More promotion attracts more people and greater value appreciation, creating a self-feeding loop. This effect is called Metcalfe's Law. It's also known as the network effect. The user base determines the value of a network. The more users, the more the value it occurs thanks to a network effect. Application developers and protocol developers are both working for each other. Application developers can focus on creating the best application possible and attracting attention and money. And protocol developers protect their back by developing the best possible infrastructure. The better the application, the more money it draws, and the bigger the protocol becomes. The Lightning Network is an application built on top of the Bitcoin protocol. And Maker is an application built on top of the Ethereum protocol. They all have final settlements on the protocol layer. As applications have attracted more money, their value and protocols have also appreciated. The Lightning Network's market cap is $130 million, while BTC's market cap is roughly $700 billion as of recording. Maker's market cap is roughly $16 billion, while Ethereum's market cap is $315 billion. The total is sourced these market caps from the Lightning Network and Maker from DeFi Plus if you want to follow up. As you can see, in the blockchain era, protocols are more valuable than applications. But protocols don't necessarily have to end up fat. Protocol developers have to watch out for losing attraction or being forked. So you might ask, what's a fork or what's a hard fork? Remember when I shared that blockchain data is immutable? The only way to alter the blockchain is through a hard fork. When a blockchain diverges, it diverges into two paths because of a change in protocol. They're sort of two different destinies like a fork in the road. Examples of this splitting a network can be found within the Bitcoin protocol. There's BTC, the original Bitcoin, and then BTC Cash, which is BCH, Bitcoin Cash. Or another hard fork that happened was Bitcoin Satoshi Vision, BSV. There was Bitcoin, and then it hard forked into BTC Cash. Nobody liked that because you can see by the volume and trade, BTC Bitcoin was the more popular network by vote. And same thing happened with Bitcoin Satoshi Vision, where Bitcoin Satoshi Vision hard forked off of Bitcoin, and nobody really voted for that because people stayed on the Bitcoin network. We can see that another example in Ethereum's protocol. There's ETH, Ethereum, the main protocol, and then the Ethereum Classic. Ethereum Classic was the hard fork. Nobody really voted for that system because we can see people stayed on the Ethereum network. 
As time passes, developers want to upgrade on specific parts of the protocol. If they don't get it or see that there is no potential future upgrade, they will seek a different protocol or create a new one. Protocols that get forked will lose some developers and users and risk becoming thin. Those forks don't have to work out. Bitcoin had multiple forks, mainly because of its block size, including BTC Cash and BTC Satoshi Vision. None of those forks presented a serious danger to Bitcoin becoming a fat protocol. BTC is the beauty queen of the cryptocurrency world. As the first and largest cryptocurrency by market capitalization, BTC commands and holds the spotlight. Don't get me wrong, BTC deserves its place on the pedestal. But at this point in time, it's a bit tricky to build on smart contracts on it, even though they do exist. Specifically, BTC has limited programmable functionality. The scripting language used for Bitcoin is what's called Turing Incomplete. The network can figure out who sent how much BTC to whom, but little else. That means that while BTC can be a great transactional DeFi asset, other blockchains are better suited for the rest of the DeFi universe. Example, like insurance or real estate or loans, etc. Once the Bitcoin network proved concept, the users can successfully transact without any intermediary. This paved the way for other DeFi technologies to emerge and blossom. And that's where Ethereum came in. Ethereum is an open source blockchain that allows users to build decentralized applications, also referred to as dApps for short. These dApps are then stored on the Ethereum blockchain. Ethereum is the infrastructure or platform or protocol used to develop decentralized applications on. When you hear cryptocurrency holders referring to the price of Ethereum, they're actually referring to the price of Ether, the Ethereum network's cryptocurrency token, ETH. And like other cryptocurrencies, Ether can be a medium of exchange. You can buy and sell it on cryptocurrency exchanges, but Ether is also a unique one amongst other cryptocurrencies. The purpose of Ether is to incentivize users to run the Ethereum network. In turn, more usage provides greater computing power for Ethereum transactions. To build a dApp, a user only needs to learn the programming language Solidity for Ethereum. And dApps work like any computer application. Developers write a series of conditions and actions or in a programming parallance, if then slash if else then statements. This isn't a programming insight topic, so I won't get into it, but essentially you string together several logical if then, if else then statements, you'll have what's called a DAP, a smart contract that executes what you write. Today, smart contracts are deployed with fail safes in their code, which have the ability to freeze wallets and assets of users. So Ethereum is no longer an immutable smart contract platform. So just be careful. Exact execution can also have advantages and disadvantages. First, DAP smart contracts are efficient. Think about today's traditional contracts. Two or more individual companies or institutions can enter into a contract. Some type of human involvement is needed for ongoing contract management, enforcement, and payment. But if those same parties use a DAP instead of traditional contracts, the DAP code would complete all the work. All the conditions and actions would be predetermined. There's no need for a human to step in for management, enforcement, or payment disputes. However, smart contracts don't provide any flexibility. They'll execute just as written, without providing the same leeway or exceptions that a human might. That said, smart contracts usually upgrade to better versions and users are encouraged to migrate to a new token. 
What I just shared is a summarized version of dApps in general and are more specifically dApp smart contracts built and deployed on the Ethereum blockchain. Now let's have a look at another DeFi component, stablecoins. Stablecoins are basically created to reduce volatility and take advantage of cryptocurrencies conveniences, namely quick seamless settlement. Stablecoins are cryptocurrencies that are pegged to a value of an asset. The asset could be a commodity like precious metals or a fiat currency like the US dollar. One example of a USD pegged stablecoin is Tether or USDT. One Tether is equal roughly to one US dollar for 100% backing, well, allegedly. Allegedly because around February 2021, the New York State Attorney General has ordered an end to all New Yorkers trading in cryptocurrency exchanges on Bitfinex and Tether, citing it misrepresented its claim of a one-to-one US dollar backing. Later on in that year, around October 2021, the U.S. Commodities Future Trading Commission, the CFTC, fined a Hong Kong-based Tether stablecoin company $41 million. This action was due to the same reason as New York State's earlier ruling. A CFTC audit of Tether's financial covering between 2016 and 2018 showed that Tether's cash reserves only amounted about 28% of the value of its issued stablecoins. A more in-depth discussion of Tether is beyond the scope of this insight. However, I do note that Tether's stablecoin represents about two-thirds of BTC purchases. With that much activity, there could be a lot of repercussions or some repercussions. Since I don't have any special insights to see how this will further develop, all I can do is see how this situation unfolds and plays out. Like Tether, other fiat-backed stablecoins might be able to conceal their collateral shortcomings for a while, but stablecoins backed by one or more other cryptocurrencies are a different story. Anyone can view a company's balance of collateralized cryptocurrency on their blockchain. Discrepancies would be immediately noted, and trust in that stablecoin would evaporate. There's also a way for stablecoins to automatically build in trust by using an algorithmic peg. Rather than holding collateral, again, as either fiat currencies or precious metals or some other cryptocurrencies or other assets, the DAP smart contract that manages the coin is pre-programmed to adjust stablecoin supply. For example, let's say that the stablecoin AABB is algorithmically pegged to the US dollar at a one-to-one value. If for whatever reason people were to buy stablecoin AABB, its price would rise. And to prevent the stablecoin AABB one-to-one peg to the US dollar from breaking, the smart contract would issue additional units of stablecoin AABB. That increased supply would lower stablecoin's AABB's price, maintaining the one-to-one peg. On the other hand, if people were to start selling stablecoin AABB, dropping its price, then the opposite would happen. Stablecoin AABB smart contract would remove coins from circulation to maintain the one-to-one peg to the US dollar. Stablecoin AABB could be an attractive option. But what if there was a superior stablecoin for DeFi? One that's algorithmically controlled and has an additional margin of safety. Fortunately, there is. The foundational DeFi stablecoin known as DAI, symbol D-A-I, regulated and maintained by MakerDAO a decentralized autonomous organization, DAO. The DAI stablecoin is like any other fiat currency or cryptocurrency. You just spend, transfer it, or save it. But DAI is so much more. It's built on a smart contract on the Ethereum blockchain. 
Remember, once a smart contract is deployed on the Ethereum blockchain, no one can edit the code. The application executes itself as programmed. And that means DAI is a decentralized stablecoin with a built-in trust. Although they are called stablecoins, they're not really coins. All stablecoins are actually just tokens and they're issued on a certain blockchain, like DAI is on the Ethereum network. To amplify DAI's decentralization, DAI is pegged to the value of the US dollar at a one-to-one ratio. But rather than being backed by US dollar reserves, the DAI stablecoin is backed by cryptocurrency collateral on the Ethereum blockchain. So DAI has the benefit of transparency that I mentioned earlier. The DAI stablecoin isn't just collateralized, it's over-collateralized. For every $1 in ETH collateralized, there's a 0.66 of DAI. If ETH's price becomes volatile, the value of ETH backing DAI in circulation would likely remain 100% or more of a DAI's value, hence a buffer. So, being a decentralized stablecoin built on a smart contract and over-collateralizing with Ethereum ETH backing it, DAI is an ideal form of money for DeFi services. With Bitcoin in hand, with max supply and a hard money asset, Alongside Ethereum and other protocols, smart contract capabilities, we can see how decentralized applications or dApps and decentralized stablecoins that way to help people onboard onto this new frontier of cryptocurrencies, we can see power coming back to the people in a way from oligarchies. Next week, we'll be covering a lot more about DeFi. We will be covering topics such as decentralized autonomous organizations or DAOs, money legos decentralized lending and financing that way we can understand what the capabilities of us the people can have at our fingertips rather than going to centralized mega international corporations that are controlling our traditional financial systems be sure to check that out DeFi is such a huge future coming on and we want you to have the leg up and remember guys until next time let's all get financially savvy peace